0: today. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Tuesday there, folks. Brian Nichols there on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. I am, as always, your humble host, and today we have a returning guest, he is the CEO of El Monte Industries, Lewis Black. Welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Hi, hi, Brian. How are you?
0: Doing well, Lewis. Thank you so much for joining us once again here on the program. I know we had you back. I think it was right there in the beginning of COVID. It was... Everything was kind of on hold. I know supply chains were were just completely in disarray and you, as the CEO of Elmonti Industries gave us some insight into how that was impacting your ability to uh, get tungsten out there across the world so today we're we're seeing now the the after effects of what's happened over the past two years, specifically not just in regards to the supply chain issues but also in regards to our, our, our economy's monetary policy is going just completely out of whack. So now we're seeing the, the the big pain, the inflation. It's hitting hard, and it's really, really having a direct impact, not just on those uh, consumers, but also the producers. So, Lewis, let's reintroduce yourself to the audience, uh, kind of dig into what's been going on at Almonte, but also what's been going on in terms of uh, the inflation, how it's impacted you.
1: Well, I mean, we're obviously still the largest producer of Concentrate, tons of Concentrate, outside of China. Um, and although China is still the very dominant player here, uh, Russia being number two, um, inflation, of course, has created a number of problems, you know, for all companies, including ourselves, shipping costs are up, raw material costs, consumables are all up, uh, wages uh, have no chance of, of keeping, uh, um, you know, keeping up. But I mean, obviously, we, we have unions uh, throughout our company. And I think, unbelievably, uh, there's quite a bit of common sense going around. I think that the unions acknowledge that this situation is, is way and beyond anyone's control. We've, we've done uh, some pay rises, uh, you know, a fraction of, of I think, 4.7%, which was considered to be uh, uh, more you know, the, at, the, at the high side uh, compared to some of our colleagues, but it was the best that we could throw in. I think, you know, we're just gonna have to all sort of muddy in and get through this together. Uh, but it's it's not going to be an easy ride, you know. I think twenty next year you'll probably see a little calmer, but uh, hang on to your hats for the next twelve months at least.
0: <laughs> well, to say the least, and we're also seeing it impacted in regards to what's happening in the the uh, car market. When you go out to buy a brand new car, I mean, you're seeing upcharges of tens of thousands of dollars in some cases, and a lot of it has to do with the semiconductor shortage now. Let's talk about that. that there's, there's so much to dig into. And, and obviously, tungsten is one of the main components of these semiconductors. But let's talk about that on a grand scale. What's the issue? Where? Why are we having such a hard time getting these semiconductors?
1: Well, I mean, semiconductors, obviously, the demand of semiconductors through the COVID lockdown was, was quite unexpected. Uh, obviously, there was an enormous demand for uh, consumer goods, and um, phones, computers. So we put a huge sort of drag on the sector. Then we couple that with increasing demand across the board as we reopened. We've got a lack of raw materials uh, to actually produce them. Uh, And then just to to really put the icing on the cake, this push towards a greener future has put a dramatic effect on, on the supply chain. Uh, for for semiconductors. So, for instance, a normal regular gasoline vehicle has somewhere in the region of eight hundred to a thousand semiconductors. Uh, an <laughs> EV has more than double that. So, if you are looking to ultimately replace gasoline vehicles with with EVs, um, you, you're nowhere. You're going to need double the number of semiconductors to make that happen. And there's it just doesn't exist. That capacity, that output, does not exist currently.
0: Wow. So right now we're seeing right, uh, in the US, we just had the, the US Senate pass this bill. It was a was it 52 billion dollars. The numbers just sound made up at this point. 52 billion dollars to bring uh semiconductor manufacturing back home in subsidies to uh, some different corporations. So obviously, you know, this is going to have a big impact on the, the marketplace. What are you seeing as, as being the direct Im- implications of that?
1: Well, I think firstly that the bill has has only gone through the Senate. It started in in the House, then it got completely sort of changed around in the Senate. And now it's gone back to the House. So I don't think we'll really understand exactly what it's going to be until it finally passes. And they're saying that sometime in the summer. So I, I think at that point, you'll know what the money's for and, and how it's to be used. But I, 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 I hasten to add that there are a number of, you know, uh, there's a number of things you need to remember. The U.S. historically was the dominant producer of semiconductors, and over the years, this migrated to Taiwan and South Korea. These are now the two largest producers of semiconductors. The semiconductor of now is very different from the semiconductor of before. These things are at the cutting edge of what we can do with technology. I mean, they're, they're an extraordinary piece of work, uh, absolutely incredible. and. To build one, to manufacture one, I believe it takes nine weeks from soup to nuts to produce one semiconductor through a plant, Uh, such is the intricacy of it. So these plants firstly will take a number of years to construct. This is the first thing because they're not just, you're not making widgets, you're just putting up some, you know, some, some steel bar and some sheeting and you've got a factory. (laughs) This is really, uh, you know, these are highly automated, highly technically advanced, and also the technology to make them. Uh, It's not liberally shared around. I mean, Taiwan and and South Korea have very much dominated this sector. uh, And I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Um, But then we also couple that with well, you've still got to produce them. That requires raw materials. And and that you don't have I mean, to give an example, tungsten is used in tungsten gas to produce semiconductor 40% of all the world's tungsten gas that's, that's produced is consumed in South Korea. Uh, to give you an, an idea. But ultimately, there just is not enough raw materials to accommodate not just the semiconductors, but what they're being used for. So, you know, I think the car delays you're seeing now in the US and, and all around the world, semiconductor shortages, uh, electrical loom shortages, they're finding in Europe, because most of them were, were assembled in Ukraine. Um, you know, you don't need one. you need one thing that's out of sync. And and the whole car market, or the whole chain of the production of a car, comes to it comes to an end.
0: So, what does that look like? I mean, we're we're getting to a point now. To your point, where the the actual raw materials for semiconductors is starting to get scarce. So, what does that look like in, in terms of finding alternatives? Is there something beyond semiconductors we can look to in terms of technological innovations, or are we kind of SOL? Well,
1: well I mean, I, I think. No, in answer to your question, bluntly, no, you can't replace a semiconductor. They, they, they're the brains. It's the brain of, of an EV, for instance, the reason why an EV is an efficient use of a battery and the energy and the trans, transporting that around the vehicle to the wheels, all these things are controlled by semiconductors. So every kind of thought process to use a, a sort of uh, archaic expression within your technology comes from a semiconductor. So, so it's, it, it's irreplaceable. Um, ultimately the push towards a greener future has put a a larger demand on that supply chain that's going to take some time to catch up, but, but I think you shouldn't look at this in a, in a horrendously negative way. Firstly, the free market is very inventive and yes, supply chains, raw materials. We're going through a bit of, um, a moment democracies generally don't want mines in their backyards. Um, that means, but they, at the same time, they want transparency of those raw materials. <laughs> so, so then they, they, they look, I mean, Russia has been a great example where, uh, sometimes countries that you have to work with perhaps don't behave to the same values that you have. And then there's not much you can do about it when they don't be- behave. Russia, as I said, is a great example. The sanctions have been very kind of focused on individuals, but in terms of their raw materials, they've been pretty much left alone because you can't live without them at this time. Does that change in the future? I don't know. I would have liked to have seen in this bill, uh, perhaps a little bit more focus on the supply chain in its entirety, rather than just going for the, the glamour end, which is we're going to make a semiconductor. So I, I think uh, hopefully it goes back to the house and, and and you know, some common sense will approach it and say, Well, okay, but how are we going to we still have to buy all the raw materials for these semiconductors, from perhaps places that we we don't want to take a vacation. in.
0: Yep. And one thing, Lewis, that you brought up that I wanted to go back to is addressing the supply chain. How would that look when you're actually going through and you're seeing the bill revised? How would that addressing the bill help in terms of actually getting more of the raw materials from the supply chain to alleviate the issues?
1: Well, I think we've seen certain countries, you know, South Korea, Japan, even Australia now, They're looking at direct investment into raw materials supplies uh, sources. I'm not a big fan of that, mainly because, you know, uh, a mine is a very specialized business and and many a fortune has been made and lost in mining. Um, Unless you actually really know what you're doing. It's not, or you have a team that you can really rely on. Governments tend not to have the attention to detail to ensure that sometimes what they're putting money into is a great idea. Uh, I'm a great believer that the government should play to their strengths. And and I believe their strengths come with well, they have a checkbook. And they have essentially the ability to accumulate raw materials through stockpiles, which they've done historically for well, generations. Um, Not now, but during the Cold War, for instance, in the United States, they had the DLA uh, and the Defense Logistics Agency. And that was their primary focus was to, in fact, ensure that the United States had access to ample raw materials for their manufacturing in the event of a, of, of a war breaking out. I'm not saying you return to that type of war footing, but it was a very efficient tool It worked very well. And it doesn't mean that you give these raw materials to American manufacturers, you just basically uh, accumulate them and then sell them. Now, you're obviously taking a, a punt in that sense as a taxpayer on whether prices move up or down. But ultimately, it's surely better to know that that system actually works because it's it's tried and tested, than going down a route of, say, loosening regulations, which I don't agree with, even as an operator. When regulations drive me crazy, um, I don't think you should loosen regulations. They're there for a, a very specific reason, and they must be left in place, uh, or you go down a road of investing into mines, which, you know, may or may not work. Which is another—it's fraught with all kinds of risk. And of course, takes much longer to put together, than going out and saying, you know what, we are now going to put offtakes out to various suppliers in territories that we like, or even some that we don't like, in order to accumulate an- enough raw materials to ensure that what we're going to build in terms of the supply chain going you know, basically downstreaming, we have uh, at least that reliance on the supply chain.
0: So let's go to El Monte. What are you guys doing right now internally to help address things and maybe adapt as you've seen the supply chain issues, you've seen the demand increase, and yet it's still difficult to be able to answer that demand. So how are you answering the call right now and and maybe adapting on the fly?
1: Well, I mean, to be honest, we've always been part of that supply chain because, you know, 83% of tungsten is produced in in China and nearly 7% is produced in Russia. So we, all of our customers have been very happy with the fact that we, we have a transparency of our supply chain. We're reopening now the world's largest tungsten mine in South Korea. Um, and that South Korea is the largest consumer per capita in the world of tungsten. So I suppose in our small little way, in our very small corner of the whole equation, uh, we're doing what is technically possible. But I, I think to be honest, it's, it, I think people have to understand this supply chain issue is not going to go away. Uh, anytime soon. It took China 30 years to get to to this place. They executed incredibly, but it took them 30 years. I'm not saying it's going to take that long for us, but it's it's something which we have to know how to adapt to. And I I think from Monty's point of view, we will continue to to look for projects that are in what we consider to be safe jurisdictions with nice legal systems. Um, uh, and, And that's what our customers expect us to continue to do.
0: So when you're talking about the future, and it's it's difficult to paint a picture because I think if we were to go back, you know, let's say three years ago, and say there's going to be a global pandemic and it's going to basically shut down the entire world and society, everybody would just laugh and said oh, okay, but yeah, it happened, and and it's still you know in some places still happening. So where do you see things going now? Let's you know ignore right now, just pretend the 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 Senate bill doesn't exist for a little bit, and let's just say where things are going right now, not being changed whatsoever. Where would you see things in five? years let's ballpark and then in the event that you're able to see the, the supply chain in fact get corrected some but still need some time to get a little bit of its legs back up where do you see five years from now if we do have a, a positive outlook forward what that would look like
1: well I, I think it really depends on our appetite for hard work i, I think that's really what it comes down to mm. Ultimately, I think that the Russian episode in Ukraine is a great example. 90% of all the raw materials produced in Russia is exported. And yet, the supply of those raw materials has not been affected one iota by the sanctions or by this war. It's just business as usual. Yes, the route to market is now rather than go via Europe, it now goes via China, but it's still very much there. And, you know, the outrage that we have about what's going on in Ukraine, you know, politically, it hasn't really, you know, spread to these raw materials, because ultimately, we can't live without them. So then it comes down to the fact, we are all inherently lazy, every single one of us and and buying from some of these countries is very easy. And it's very simple. And it means that the mines and the legacy of these mines, these raw material sources is someone else's problem. It's not ours. And so do we just literally just, you know, Ukraine is it, the whole thing is resolved. Peace is brought back. Uh, China COVID sort of disappears. So we stop thinking about, you know, where did it all come from? We, we start, we start getting comfortable again, how we were pre COVID. And we go back to just essentially looking, well, we can always buy whatever we need from, okay, we know that it's not great. We, we, you know, <laughs> it's not a great place, but but you know, they sell to us. And this time next year, I'm going to work something out. Mm-hmm. That, that was the temptation. Or do we say, you know what? We had a problem in 2008, the financial crisis with all contracts out of China being cancelled under a force majeure because they were considered to be uh, you know, important to the state. We've now had another problem with COVID. We've got this war in Ukraine. We're really going to have to address this and we're gonna have to roll our sleeves up, I'm gonna say, you know what, we're gonna have to make some tough decisions. Yes, I know, there are some people are gonna be upset about this concept of bringing raw material supplies into democracies, but ultimately, we don't have a choice unless we're gonna choose to keep working with countries that quite frankly, you know, aren't the greatest.
0: So let's talk about. Uh, I, I would say this is probably the biggest bugaboo I've heard. I'm in the world of sales in greater telecommunications bandwidth and cybersecurity world, and I'm hearing right now cyber attacks are on the rise and it's been disrupting the supply chain. Are you seeing that right now at Amonti Where you've seen an uptick in cyber attacks? Um, we actually we we took a view. We got we got attacked about
1: four years ago. This is bizarre, but we got it. We, we had a, we got a mine in Portugal. And somebody did the, you know, they ring you up and they say, if you don't give us X uh, in, in whatever, it wasn't Bitcoin, it was something else they were using. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to delete all your files. And, and of course, we, we're fifth generation mining guys. You know, we, we kind of responded as you would expect us to. And and they really did actually uh, seize our server. Uh, now, uh, we back everything up. So in fact, we didn't have any impact. So we took the decision, you know what? we're going to keep every mind kind of, you know, off the grid. So, you know, we will, if we need to send things around to the other sites, we'll do it independently, not not on a on a big network. So we've essentially taken that approach, because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, 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 uh, there's nothing you can do. So, uh, yeah, we're getting a bit old fashioned. I mean, haven't got guys running around with, you know, pieces of paper, you know, we're not using carrier pigeon. But we've just essentially ring fenced the, the the mines, so nothing gets in, nothing gets out. And if you want to take something out, you have to move whatever data it is to like a Dropbox that's not set, not con- connected to our uh, to our server there, and then it's sent out that way. And that way we kind of isolate access. Now I hope by saying this, I've not laid down a challenge to the hacking community to see if they can if they can kick the door in. So so you know, please, we're only a poor tungsten company. There are plenty of other people you can go after.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's go- they're going after everybody. It's the sad part. Like I- I've seen the uptick, you know, just in the past two years in the, the day job, it's been just exponential growth. And and one of the uh, the providers that my company works with, um, you know, he he ha- he says, you know, if you have a provider in a security world who says that you're you're a hundred percent protected. They're, they're flat out liars run run as fast as you can because to your point it's happening to everybody and the best thing you can do is prepare you can get the the policies procedures in place you can go through you know the, the tabletop exercises and map out what could happen in the event but at the end of the day and and this is the sad part the biggest threat that companies have is unfortunately their people internally because you can yeah. still have the social engineering where you know little Susie at secretary gets the the email and it says you know hey the CEO is looking for for some gift cards can you please go ahead and scratch those off and send that to her and all of a sudden she just clicks a link and goes ahead and does that and now all of a sudden boom to your point yeah. they, they can jump right in and no. it happens more often than not which is sad Louis yeah, is awesome. it that is awesome. it is and it's, it's and it has in many cases crippled supply chains it's crippled organizations it's locked down entire uh, I mean I just saw a school up where I'm from in northern new york originally um they got hit with ransomware $797,000 for a little tiny public school so um now granted i say a little tiny public school, it's a little tongue in cheek here in america but that's another conversation for a different day but anyways with that being said lewis obviously there's a lot here to uh, to unpack from from the audience perspective a lot we went through today but what would you say are the number one things that you'd want the the audience to take away and really, uh, you know, digest as they they walk away today from the episode?
1: Well, I I think as Douglas Adams would say, don't panic. That's the most important thing. Um, The market is is a very resilient uh, enterprise. Solutions are being found on almost daily basis. Uh, Try and sort of ignore all the noise and know that, in fact, a lot of the end consumers, the Apples, the Boeings, even the Teslas, they are in their way driving this diversification to increase the transparency of the supply chain it's going to take a little time it's going to be a bit disruptive to consumers generally
0: but ultimately i believe quite honestly we're going to get there all right lewis black almonte industries if folks want to learn more why don't you go ahead and do that Oh, uh, our website, uh, www.amonti.com. Perfect. All right, folks, there you go. If you want to go ahead and learn more, I'll include that link in the show notes as well as Lewis's bio, plus the entire transcript from today's episode. Oh, and on top of that, all 470 plus episodes as well over at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoy the episode, folks, please do me a favor, go ahead and give it a share. And when you do, give yours truly a tag at B Nichols Liberty. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on the Brian Nichols Show for Lewis Black. We'll see you tomorrow.